In this uh, two-week flyover of the Vitality Pathway, which we will dive deeper into beginning next Sunday, where you can get these bookmarkers at the ministry fair after the service today at the worship arts table. We dealt last Sunday with the catechism question that came from the ancient confirmation class that I attended. The question is, what is the highest and most important knowledge? And the answer, I believe, is on the screen. Let's read it together. The highest and most important knowledge is to know God and His Son, Jesus Christ. We find just one of many verses in John chapter 17, verse 3. Jesus is praying. This is called the high priestly prayer. That whole chapter is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And He includes us in that prayer. But before He gets to us, He prays this. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's where it begins. It begins with knowing God and His Son, Jesus, which we learn by the Scriptures, we learn by the Holy Spirit, we learn from each other, we learn in church together who God is. God wants us to know Him. We begin the journey there. You see, the vitality pathway, the pathway with God, is like our limited access highways. There's just a few entrance points, entrance points. And that entrance point is knowing God. By knowing His Son, by knowing the Scriptures that reveal Him, and by receiving the Holy Spirit who indwells us and helps us to... um, capture what God wants in our lives for how we live day by day. So as we get to know the Scriptures, as we get to know the Holy Spirit, as we get to know Jesus, we get to know God. And if we embark on this get-to-know-God journey, we soon discover God has an agenda. Now that can be said a number of ways. God has an agenda. Or God has an agenda. He has a plan. There's a way in which we are to go. As we gather information, we soon discover that God is more interested in formation than he is information. The information that we are given is to help form and shape our lives. Not to make better us, because you know what? He is not in the business of making better people. He's in the business of making new people. He's in the business of transformation. He's in the business of a new creation. A new birth begins in our life, and we become a completely different human being. Growing up as an adopted kid, I was six days old, so I don't remember the event. But I did find out about it from one of the kids in my confirmation class. My parents had never told me. And the guy whose nickname was Happy was really angry at me, and he says, Well, you know, you're not really your your parents' child. You're an adopted kid. I smacked him. (laughs) He went down. I got in trouble. And I was mad. And then I realized, wait a minute, I got chosen. My two sisters who came after me, they were the natural children of my mom and dad. And I was the chosen one. (laughs) They didn't buy it like I did, but... God wants to transform our lives, and he adopts us as sons and daughters, which we 
are able then to cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, to God when we are born anew. So God, who wants to be known and wants us to know him, has an agenda. What really is God up to? That's the question I'd like to focus on this morning. What is God up to? Pray with me, if you would. Father, open our hearts to hear you. Help our minds to understand what you say. Soften our hearts to believe in you. And shape our behaviors to authenticate your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You might be wondering, why the latter? Anybody been wondering that? Has it been a distraction for worship this morning for you? I hope not. It's been <laughs> the latter is going to reveal a number of things to us today. The first is, it's going to reveal our condition. Our condition. This latter reveals a philosophy that's present in our world in almost every place you can go, especially in the Western world. Most of us have been born and raised in the Western world. It's the philosophy of working hard, being diligent, climbing the ladder of success. So you get a job, you start out at entry level, you found the ladder. You move up to the next position and you begin to climb this ladder of success. And you try to climb as high as you can and it looks more successful from up here. People look further away from up here too. Then you have a job change. Maybe it's outsourced. Maybe it's gone offshore. And you do a lateral job change. And you're able to start at this level and you can climb then higher from here. That's a philosophy that surrounds our world in almost every way and it's crept into the church of Jesus Christ. It's because the river, the cultural rivers of our world flow in one direction. God is going in another direction. The Christian culture, which is meant to supersede the culture of whatever nation we live in, has a battle going on because that kind of philosophy in the Western world exists. But in the church, you'll find people are striving. I'm going to do good things. Maybe God will really like me then. Well, I'm going to do better things. Maybe I'll get a position in the church where I'm serving in leadership. I'm climbing the ladder of success in the church. The problem is when we climb the ladder of success in the church, we soon discover we can't make it to the top. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed there's always another rung or ten or a billion, as in the song we sang? It happens. As it impacts our religious life, knowing God has been replaced with knowing about God. People aren't in a relationship. They're on a journey of doing better, being better people rather than knowing God and letting God work his transforming power in our lives. God reveals in the Bible what our condition is. We are sinners. We cannot reach God. We can't make it up there. There is no way. The Apostle Paul is clear when he writes, the wages of sin is death. The payment we deserve for being belligerent for being cynical, for being disobedient, is death. 
There is no hope for us in our own way of living. We are in a dilemma that we cannot resolve, and every one of us is included. Listen to what else Paul writes. For all have sinned and fall short. What's the key word? All. Who does that not include? It includes everyone. It's totally encompassing. So the point is, we can't climb high enough to reach God. That's not new news to you. You've heard that here before. I know the preachers who were here before me. I know the teachers that have taught here for decades. You have heard this. That is not new news. Hang on, there's more. God has done something. Let's consider then Jesus' mission. There are many texts in the Bible that could have been chosen, but I chose Philippians 2, 6-8. Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here's how the latter helps us. We begin down here. Jesus begins all the way up here. He is at the top, and he is seated the right hand of his Father. This is where Jesus starts his journey. This text reveals it in beautiful form. He humbles himself. He was obedient to his Father. And what does he do? He comes down the ladder. Every rung. For him there is no gap. And in coming down the ladder, he comes all the way to the bottom where he finds most of us. So God does what we cannot do. It's just that he's going down. We can't go up, but he comes down. There is no other religion in the world where God reveals this about himself. Every other faith, there's an effort to get better, to go up. And if you're good enough and if you do it long enough, if you're diligent enough and disciplined enough, maybe you can make it. But God recognizes and has revealed to us you can't. So I'm sending my son down all the way to where everybody is, to each of us. And after completing his rescue mission, listen to what the Apostle Paul reveals to us about what happened to Jesus. I won't climb it again. Just believe me, that's the way you go. In Ephesians 1.20, some of you were getting a little angst about me being up there. You okay, Carolyn? My life insurance is paid up. Listen to what Paul writes. He, God, raised him, Jesus, from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Jesus comes all the way down, and then the Father raises him from death and takes him all the way up to the top again where he began his mission, his journey. Knowing his own condition, the Apostle Paul asks a question in Romans 7. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And he goes on to write in verse 25, 
thanks be to God, implied it happens through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the only way. Jesus came to rescue Paul, but there's more. Jesus came to rescue all of humanity, including each of us. So now we look at Jesus, our salvation. John 3.16, for God so loved, say it with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall have, not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus came to rescue us from the death we deserve, to give us the life that God intended from the very beginning, abundant and eternal. I like to think of abundance as a starburst. You know, you go see uh, on the 4th of July, you see the fireworks and there's a big flash and it looks like just a flat flow of light. If you were in an airplane up above it or a helicopter, it would look the same way to you. If you're on the side, it would look the same way to you because it's this or it's this. That's what he's talking about that he wants for us, that kind of life now and always. It's Jesus' work for us that rescues and saves us. Listen to how Paul describes it in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not by works you can't brag about it because he did it all. But consider more fully what that means. It means we join with God. We join with God now. Remember a few moments ago we read, He God raised him, Jesus, from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Listen to what Paul writes in the next chapter of his his letter to the Ephesians. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So we who can't get there in salvation by Jesus are taken all the way to the top, a place we can't get to by ourselves We can only get there by the one who came all the way down to bring us back here to join him. And those of us who are at the bottom have come a long ways. Some of us were pretty disobedient, weren't we? Some of us were raised in church and were very disobedient, weren't we? But Jesus in his grace and love for us takes us all the way up. And here we are. We have a place, we're welcomed, we're included. God's got us now and forever. Here we are. Doesn't it feel good to know that? This is your home. This is not your home. This is your home with him. It's wonderful. Jesus says there's only one way to get here. And in John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now, this ladder has two ways to get up here, this way and this way. Not so with God. There's only one way we can get to him, and that's the one way Jesus, his son. There is no other way. So we've come to Jesus. We've been rescued. We've been saved. We've been born from above. We can't get more saved. We've arrived. What's next? Rest, relaxation, not a chance. 
we begin to look at what our mission is. If we simply stay where Jesus brings us, we will miss the point of God's plan completely. We will not know what really God is up to. We will simply be consumers of the gospel rather than its ambassadors. People who consume the gospel have become incredibly selfish. They're not doing what God has saved them for. They're just consuming the salvation in their own being. That is not a fulfillment of his plan. That's shortcutting everything he wants done. We will simply be people who experienced for ourselves the good news, but we will not be good news people if we don't take the next step. Listen again to Paul. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. And he continues in verse 10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Or listen to what Jesus said. He speaks with his disciples in Matthew chapter 20. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our mission is on the ladder. We thought we had it right in the beginning. We climb high enough. That didn't work. But our position is on the ladder, but it's on the ladder coming down, as Jesus did in service to those who are striving, wanting to reach that salvation, wanting that relationship with God as they understand God, we come down to serve. And Jesus said, the one who's the servant of all is the one I really honor the most. So we're meant to be on the ladder, going this way. Jesus alone takes us this way. Jesus has given us a position and a place. As we go down the ladder, as Jesus did in service to others, we introduce them to Jesus by the story we can tell and the life we live, loving and serving them. Without service, salvation has not fulfilled its purpose. It's almost useless because God's plan is to redeem us so that we can be the redeemed people in the world and bring the help that the world needs to be redeemed as well. End with an illustration. A Spanish philosopher whose name is Juanimo tells about the Roman aqueduct in Segovia, Spain. It was built in 109 AD by the Romans. And for 1,800 years, it carried very cool water from the mountains to that hot and thirsty city. Nearly 60 generations of people drank the water that came from that canal. Then came another generation, a relatively recent one, who said, quote, This aqueduct is so great a marvel that it ought to be preserved for our children as a museum piece. We shall relieve it of its century-long labor. End of quote. So they did. They, made, they laid modern pipes from the mountains the springs, the wells that were up there, and brought it down to the city and let the canal go dry. And the aqueduct began to fall apart. The hot sun baked the mortar, causing it to crumble. 
Bricks and stone have been added all the time because it threatened to fall. They had to prop it up. Incredible, the story of what was going on. What ages of service could not destroy, idleness disintegrated. If you want a disintegrated faith, if you want a disintegrated walk with Jesus, don't serve. Don't be one that carries the cool water of refreshment to the world. And you'll begin to dry up. Does it mean you lose your salvation? I'm not going to go there. But it means you become disintegrated. You're not worth what God redeemed you to be worth for with those around you. Our life is to be a life of service. And the pathway of vitality is the pathway of serving, taking care of other people, taking care of people in our church, taking care of people in our community, taking care of people in our world. And as we do that, the vitality will overwhelm us to the degree that we can't stand it. It will be so exciting. I've seen it in many of you because you're doing just that. I've had the joy of watching my wife doing just that. I try to do just that because that's what we're redeemed for. Today, you can be rescued. After the service is over, I will remain here in the front. I would love to pray with anyone who wants to receive Jesus and who wants to be carried to the top. I'd be happy to do that with anyone. Because he wants us all. No one is left out of his desire. So that's one possible thing you can do today. Today, you who have been rescued can come down the ladder in service. And we have an opportunity for you that's incredible. You can contribute personally to the vitality of this church and the work of Jesus Christ in this community. When we conclude this worship, you can go to the gathering place. Not only will you find treats at every table... Some of you graze well. That will be an exciting time. But you can also find an opportunity to serve, a place that kind of grabs your heart. You go, I would like to do that. I could do that. I could be involved in that. And you can keep from drying up. You can be refreshed anew, perhaps. But there's an opportunity for those to be rescued. There's an opportunity for those to come down in service, which is what you were rescued for. When we conclude this morning, that's where we'll be. Pray with me. Lord, you always give us an entry point. You always give us a way. Help us to take the way that you provide to be the people you long for us to be, redeemed and serving. To the glory of your Son, Jesus, who makes it possible, and the Holy Spirit, who empowers it to do it, we pray. Amen.